Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for sticking around, and I'm glad that you're sticking around. Uh, I'm going to ask you to give me another 30 minutes so that I can share with you what I believe is the message uh, from, from heaven. I believe God is going to touch you and minister to you with this message. Today, we want to continue on this series called Conquest. Particularly, we're going to study the conquest that involve a woman by the name of Deborah. So Deborah is uh, being, uh, the account of Deborah conquest, and together with the general called General Barak, uh, can be found in Judges chapter 4 and 5. So we're going to study that today, uh, this amazing conquest. And one of the first things that uh, I noticed about this conquest is that this conquest is actually led by a woman. You see, Deborah was the leader for the entire nation of Israel. She was the judge to settle disputes for all the people in Israel at the time. She was the one who was leading, the Bible said, leading the entire nation of Israel. She had commanded the amazing respect, even from generals, soldiers, captains, and everybody. And all the elders in Israel had respected her. And you know, the Bible really never say how Deborah had, had come to that position and come to the place of influence, but she did. And that's the first point that I want to share with you is this, is that, you know, a lot of people said that, you know, Paul, the apostles say that women should stay quiet in the church and don't talk and don't lead and just, just be on the pews. The other day I was, I was listening to this thing on the internet, some really famous preacher, as it were, was, was just attacking women that was preaching, and it just saddens my heart. And they quoted the scripture that Paul used that saying women should shut up and, and sit and not say anything in the church. And, and so a lot of people use that to uh, uh, suppress or oppress women. I tell you, God has given women from even Old Testament to this day, amazing, amazing calling. And that if you are one of those women that had that calling in your life, do not allow culture or anybody else to suppress what God had put in your life. I want to encourage you to rise up in Jesus' name. Some people say, well, pastor, what about what Paul is saying? Well, you need to understand the Bible is that when Paul is speaking, oftentimes you say, this is my opinion. This is not from the Lord. For example, when he's talking about marriage, he said, this is my opinion. This is not of the Lord. You need to be able to separate between his instruction for preferences of how to run church and instructions from the Holy Spirit. A lot of people do not know how to separate that. And if you don't know how to separate that, then you're going to have to listen to Paul saying, you're going to come to church. All the women had to come to church with their face cover, and all the men, you know, uh, 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 come to church uh, without, uh, with, with, the, with hair on. And, 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 and so they become very legalistic. But, you know, if, if you are free in Christ Jesus, you don't come under that kind, of, that kind of rules because that is an instruction for preferences of how to run a church. And Paul's preferences, if you recall, is that he will always do things not for uh, any reason but to cause the gospel to be preached further. He instructed the church to act and behave the way that they should act and behave at the time for the purpose of always for the gospel to be further. So if you recall in the, in the, in the Bible, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19, I'm going to read to you. Paul the Apostle said that, For though I am free from all, as everybody is, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. And to those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak. To the might, I 
uh, that I might win the week, sorry, I have become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. I really believe that when Paul instructing the churches in his time uh, that women should not speak is because that's the cultural setting. Paul was not involved in politics. He wasn't trying to have a political revolution. And, and so are all the preachers. We should not be involved in any political revolution. Politics is not our calling. The gospel is our calling. Preaching Christ crucified is our calling. So don't get all hung up about what, what you know, Paul was saying about what, what women should or should not do in the church. But just focus and be very wise and determined and may the Holy Spirit teach you how to discern what is of the, the instruction from the Holy Spirit and what is of the instruction of Paul's personal preference. And he's not God. He's just a man. But anyways, let me move on. So I want to encourage some of you who feel like you're a woman, you cannot lead in church. May that voice be silent forever in your ears and that you rise up in Jesus' name to take your place in the history of the church to become great and mighty for God. Amen? Well, anyways, let me move back to the story. Let me tell you, uh, give you a summary of what um, uh, Judges 4 and 5 is all about uh, where Deborah was involved in leading the nation of Israel to conquest, to defeat a very, very brutal king uh, of Canaan called Jabin or Jabin or Jabin. I, I don't know how how to pronounce it properly, but let's call it Jabin, you know. So in the time of Deborah, the Bible says, starting in verse 4, is that the people of Israel were under the oppression because they were worshiping idols, they had forsaken the Lord, and so they were under the oppression of this Canaanite king called Jabin. And Jabin was powerful because he had this amazing powerful general called Sisera. General Sisera was so powerful, the Bible said that he had 900 iron chariots. You know what they are? Iron chariots are like the premium of military vehicle of that time, in the time of Deborah. You see, it's like, you know, you have a, a tank, and then you have supersized premium tank. You know, or you have, you know, you have an old World War II tank, you know, and they're, they're good, they can do the work, but now in these days, they have this high-tech tank, you know, where the, all the American forces or the British forces have, you know, those tanks that, that have all the computer in there and all the fancy all the rockets and so forth. And that's what, that's what uh, Jabin had or his general had is that those 900 iron chariots, they're very powerful and they were to be revered. And so it sets a picture of a very powerful force oppressing a very weak people. And so they cry out to God as they would all the time or, or over the time of the history of, of Israel until exile. They, they cry out to God, say, God, save us. And so God uh, sent Deborah as a deliverer for the nation. And so God spoke to Deborah. And God said to Deborah, you go tell that General Barak that I want him now to destroy the army of this Canaanite general. I want him, I'm going to rout, I'm going to lure them. I'm going to lure this army to come out to fight with you guys. You know, I'm going to lure him out and then I'm going to give them into your hand. And it's really interesting because people would sit there and say, why, why would you do that, God? Why would you lure the enemy out to cause trouble? See, for the eyes of the simple, 
they will start to complain. Say, God, you know, we, we like our peace, even though we're under oppression, but it's okay, you know, we still have some kind of peace. But then they were under oppression. They were not free people. They were under bondage, and God wants to set them free. And in order for God to set them free, He had to cause the enemy to come out so that He can destroy them. A lot of times people don't understand that, and then so they start complaining when things start to go ugly. It hasn't even hurt them yet. They got scared by the narrative, narrative of the world and start to complain to God, God, why'd you do that? Why, why, why? But when God is actually orchestrating something so that He could destroy, cause the people, His people, to be able to work with Him to destroy the enemy that oppressed Him. And that's what happened in this story, is that God had lured, God had lured the Canaanites generals with His army to come and want to attack Israel. And so Deborah went and gave the command that God gave to her to General Barak. Yes, Barak is a very popular name in the Middle East. Whether it's Jewish or uh, uh, Arabs, you know, they use that name Barak. And uh, you, you probably have heard that name quite often these days, you know. Uh, uh, some of the leaders, world leaders in our time, you know, the name is Barak. But anyways, so, so Barak, this general, uh, was told by Deborah that you need to organize the army and you need to get them all ready and God is going to deliver this great enemy that has suppressed us into your hand. Well, you know what Barak did? Barak said, okay, I'll do it only if you come with me. In uh, chapter 4, verse 9, we pick up the story. Uh, verse 8, sorry. And uh, Barak said to her, if you will go with me, I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. Verse 9, and she said, I will surely go with you. Nevertheless, the road on which you are going will not lead you to your glory, for the Lord, had, for the Lord will sell Caesarea into the hand of a woman. Wow. The point is this. There is an amazing story here of a very powerful general. He was afraid. He had all the power, all the military might, and all, every, all, the, all the weapons, all the soldiers at his disposal, but he was more afraid than this little woman called Deborah. You know why? Because he, had, he could have all the material, material physical resources, but he haven't got the faith. And when you haven't got the faith, you get afraid easily. And what Barak was saying to Deborah is that, I, I'm too afraid to go unless you go with me. That, that, what, what he was saying is that, Deborah, I don't have the faith to trust in what you say is the word of God. But I do have the faith in you. I do have the faith to trust you because I know the presence of God is with you. In other words, he was trusting Deborah more than he trusts God. And many of the Christians are like that these days. Is that they, are, they, they trust the man of God more than God himself. And so when it comes to healing, they need men of God to pray for them to get healing when they could actually directly go to heaven and ask God to heal them. You know, religion is like that. Religion always will cause you to depend on them, either the institution or individuals. But God doesn't want us to depend on people. And yet humans still want to do that. You know, even though some of us are so-called born again, spirit-filled, you know, believe in the grace of God, you know, we still very much depend 
dependent on men of God to help us to receive healing, to pray for us for prosperity, for peace, and etc., etc. When you have been called a priest of God, when God has given you the authority, you and I need to learn not to lean on somebody else's faith, but that you need to learn how to lean on God yourself with your own faith that you cultivate. If there is a time for you to cultivate a faith in God directly yourself, this is a time. I'm not here so that you can depend on my faith. I'm here because I'm in the fivefold ministries to equip you so that you can depend on God with your own faith. So ladies and gentlemen, like Barack, I want to encourage you this. Because, you know, many of us have been called to do amazing tasks for the Lord. Yes, you can depend on the man of God or woman of God to do that amazing task. But the Bible shows us that when the task is finished, and it will be finished because the grace of God is on you, nonetheless, that glory will not go to you. That recognition will not go to you. You will not realize that recognition because God wants you to learn how to lean solely on Him, not anybody else. I want to encourage you in this season. As you're listening to this, think of yourself. When was the last time you prayed for healing yourself? Or that you still need somebody to lay hands on you to pray? Yes, it is very scriptural. James says that if anyone's sick, he should go to the elder of the church and ask him to pray for him. I understand that that's very, very scriptural for the elders, for the people who are more mature in faith to pray for you. But if you have been a Christian for 40 years and you still need somebody to lay hands on you to pray for you, friends, I want to tell you something is amiss. I want to encourage you to cultivate that faith, not only to pray for yourself, but believing in God that He will use you to pray for other people. And that your faith is so strong in leaning on God Himself, not on man, not on institution, that you're able to see that God will come through for you. So this is a season for you to develop the strong faith in God and not leaning on anybody else's faith. Amen? So anyways, let's go back to the story. Now, um, so what happened is um, uh, uh, Barak, basically with Deborah, they did come um, and, and they had a warfare with this big army. Later on in chapter 5, you'll learn that as Deborah write the song, as she wrote the song about the account of the warfare, you'll know how it is that God had routed the, the, the army of, of this, uh, Cicera, uh, this, this uh, Canaanite general called Sisera and how God routed them. But, but the, make the long story short is that God destroyed the army before Barak so that they can just come in and clean up the work. So all they did is just come in and clean up the work. In other words, just to kill and destroy all those soldiers that were part of that army and then just clean it up. And what happened is the entire army of this powerful army was destroyed except the general. So he was on the run. He ran and he ran and ran. And then he ran and he got into a place where the clan, one of the clan one of the Canaanites uh, uh, clan, one of the clans in the Canaanites, um, Canaanites people, I guess, you know, uh, if you don't know about Canaanites, the Bible says the Canaanites uh, actually is somewhat related to the Jewish people, but they're not Jewish. They're not Jewish. They are actually the descendants, the Canaanites are the descendants of the brother-in-law of Moses. You remember Moses, he, he married a Median, uh, the daughter of a Median priest, and, and, and that Median priest, of course, he was not Jewish. He was not, he was not part, part of the house of Israel. So he married this, this daughter of this Median priest. And so, so this priest, also, of course, he had sons also and so forth. And so one of the sons is actually um, uh, the ancestor of the 
Kenites uh, people. Kenites people, and so so they're not they're not Jewish. So this so that's one of the clan within this this people called Kenites. It's called the Heber clan. So Heber and his wife had a clan, and so they moved the clan to an area in the desert that uh, this uh, general Caesarea happened to run into when he was running for his life. And so the Bible says that the wife of Heber, of this Hebrew clan, the wife of Heber came out and he met with the general. I don't know how he knew the general was on the run. I don't know how, he, how she knew that, she, that the general was at war with Israel and that the, 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 the general lost. I don't know how she knew, but she came out and she said to the general, stop, 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 let me help you out. Don't worry, everything's going to be okay. I'm going to take care of you. And so, um, so the, the general didn't think of anything because the Bible says that the, 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 uh, the Hebrew clan, the Canaanites, they actually were friendly with this Canaanite king. And so, so he didn't think much of anything and so he he just basically listened to her and because he was exhausted so he he went into her tent and then he said I'm really thirsty but so and then she fed her fed him with some milk she made some milk for him and so he was able to nourish himself and then he was exhausted so he told this this Kenite uh, woman you know she, he said you know can you stand outside the tent I, I want to rest I'm exhausted if anybody come and ask where I'm at just tell them that I, 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 you know, I wasn't here. So I suppose this, this, this woman, which is, her name is Jael, by the way, Jael, uh, J-A-E-L, Jael, um, and she basically uh, looked like she was complying. But she had another plan. Her plan was to assassinate this general. Now, the Bible never told us why she wanted to do that because she wasn't even Jewish. And yet, she was impressed upon the heart, I suppose, to assassinate this general and to pretend to be his friend and then later on assassinate. What happened is that when this general fell asleep, she used one of the peg, the ten peg, and a hammer and just drove the peg through his temple and killed this general. So by the time Barak showed up, Jael said, hey, I've done your job for you. Come look, I killed him. And that's what happened. Now, that's the gist of the story. Now, if you want to go into the detail of what happened, you have to go to chapter 5 when Deborah was writing out all the details of the story. Now, in chapter 5, Deborah basically shared with us not only the story itself that I've just talked about, but from her perspective, what it is that she understood about the war and what it is she saw in that war. And so it's really interesting because in this whole conquest, she saw something that's really, really amazing. And I think it's going to be pretty applicable. And there are many things that she said, but there are three things that, three or four things that she mentioned, and I think it's going to be quite applicable to our situation in our day. In chapter 5, verse 2, Deborah in her song said that the leaders took the lead that the leaders who took the lead in Israel, that the people who offered themselves willingly, bless the Lord. She praised God in chapter 5, verse 2, for the leaders and the people who offered themselves willingly in this battle. And in verse 9 in chapter 5, she went on and said, My heart goes out to the commanders of Israel who offer up themselves willingly among the people, bless the Lord. You know, if you, if, if you want to know the detail of the, wall, uh, the warfare is that in this warfare, in this conquest, in this battle with this oppressive Canaanite king that had oppressing the entire nation of Israel, not everybody came out and helped them to fight this enemy. 
In fact, the only people that came out to help was the Ephraim, the, Benj- the Ephraimites, the Benjamites, the Zebulunites, and the Issacharites, you know, if you, if you can call them. And, and they're the only tribes that came out and helped in this conquest. Everybody else, stay home. They could care less. They could care less that they were under oppression and God is delivering them. And that they could actually partner with God to do amazing things, but they stay home. And that's why Deborah was very frustrated. In fact, she wasn't really frustrated with the people. She was actually frustrated with the spirit behind those people who decided to stay home. And we're going to talk about that a bit later on. But here it is. It's that many of the tribes, most of the people in Israel did not get involved. You know, it reminds me of the time when Samuel, in 1 first, in first Samuel, but David, King David, before he became a king, he was visiting his brothers in the, in the battlefield. And then he was discussing with other soldiers about how to overcome Goliath because his spirit was infuriated by the fact that Goliath could come and defy the army of God and the name of God. He was mad. And his brother was indignant that he was even involved in any conversation with the, with the soldier. His brother says, just go home and take care of all these little sheep you have. What are you doing here? Your heart is wicked. Your heart, you just want to have some attention. So his brother was, was questioning his motivation. And he said this line. He said, is that not a cause? Why are you guys so apathetic? Why you guys look like there is no cause? You just, just, just hang around and just hope the best. And David's heart was for God. And for his people and the glory of God and the glory of his people. And he's asking his brother, is that not a cause? Are you not concerned? Why are you guys hanging around? Why are you challenging me and questioning my motive when I have an incredible interest in seeing that the name of God be avenged and the people of God be avenged? It's the same thing in the time of Deborah. You know, I could hear Deborah just felt very frustrated with a lot of people that didn't come and involve. Is that not a cause? It's the same thing as any move of God, ladies and gentlemen. You know, in every move of God, most people of God would stay back because we are comfortable with what we have. We are comfortable in spite of the fact that we may be under some kind of oppression, in spite of the fact that the people in our homes and our neighbors, the people we love are not saved yet. We are yet very comfortable. Ladies and gentlemen, I already want to challenge you with the grace of God. It's not a condemnation, please. I'm not trying to judge or condemn, but I'm here to inspire and challenge you. Would you consider not to stay back in a time of war? It is a time of spiritual warfare. It is intensive. The lives that are being left dead, they will go into eternity. In this COVID-19, you may hear so many people have died. So many of them is going to go to eternity, uh, not with God, but apart from God. Uh, is that not a cause? Is it not a cause to cause us to rise up and say, I need to do something. I need to do my part. You know, whatever it is that God calls you to do, it, instead of staying back and say, ah, whatever, everything is fine. Friends, I want to challenge you in this season. Don't think that way because there is an opportunity for you to rise up. There is an opportunity for you to step forward so that you can advance, not for your own personal interest, but advance in the spirit, advance in the kingdom of God. Well, let's move on. Now, from Deborah's perspective, when she looked at things, she didn't just look at things as they were. 
she looked at things. If you look, if you study her her poem, her her poem that she wrote in chapter five pertaining to the details of the warfare, she saw something quite incredible that most people would miss in her days, and most people are missing today. It's the spiritual aspect of all this warfare and all this conquest. You see, for the simple ones, for the carnal one, they would think it's just another battle in the history. But do you know that according to what Paul is saying, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, is that only the spiritual can actually see the spiritual. Ladies and gentlemen, if you consider yourself to be spiritual, you need to understand that many things that we see today, including this COVID-19, it's actually a reflection and a manifestation of what is already happening in the Spirit. And for those who have ear to hear, let him hear. Because this is not as simple as just a virus. If you, if you were to pay attention to, uh, to, uh, to it a little bit and consider a little bit, you know that everything in this COVID-19 pandemic does not make sense. doesn't add up. It's just a lot of mysteries Everything about this whole thing is a lot of mystery. But friends, do you know that for those of us who are part of the kingdom of God, we know that the mystery is actually in the spirit. What is happening is just a manifestation of what happened in the spirit. Well, that's, a, that's, a, that's for sure the case. That's how Deborah saw in this conquest. You see, Deborah revealed what she saw in the spirit, in the whole conquest. You see, every single time when you see this sort of conflicts or people like COVID-19, there's a spiritual things behind it. And Paul the Apostle said this, is that, you know, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, he said that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Do you know that you're not fighting governments? You're not, your fight is not in politics. Your fight is not in people, human beings, groups. They may totally disagree with you and in fact even want to persecute you, but they are not your enemy. It's the spirit that's behind them. It's your enemy. And that's how Deborah saw. I'm going to show you what she saw. See, you know, I, I don't know if you recall in Daniel chapter 10 when Daniel was praying. And uh, in, that, in that scripture, it reveals to us that every ruler, every king on earth has a correspondence prince over them, prince of darkness over them. In Daniel chapter 10, you know, the king of Persia, of course, was the ruler. He ruled the entire the vast area in, uh, in that time. And that, you know, when Daniel was praying, a messenger was sent by the Lord immediately after he prayed. And that messenger was on his way to give an answer to Daniel. But the messenger says, I'm so sorry. We can't. I don't know what they say. I'm so sorry. He said, well, I could not be, be able to come to you immediately, even though I was dispatched immediately. It's because I was stopped. The angel said he was stopped by the prince of Persia. It's definitely not referring to the king of Persia because he's calling number one a prince of Persia. And besides that, the human king could never be able to stop a spiritual angelic being. Only spiritual things can, can, can have spiritual warfare and spiritual anyways. So, so the king of Persia could have never stopped these this angels. And then, and then he went on further. If you have time, go ahead and, and, and read Daniel chapter 10. We don't have time for that, so I'm not going to bore you with the, with the detail. But you go ahead, if you're interested, and read Daniel chapter 10. But the angel says, I was being held up by this prince, 
by, by, by this prince of Persia. And that if, if it had not been for Michael, which is the archangel, which is the, it's the warring angel, come and help me out, I would have been held back. And Michael, he said, Michael, help me out. Michael had his army to come and help me out. And so therefore, I was able to penetrate and come to you. So that was a clear picture of what the heavenly authorities and rulers are doing over the earth. And that what we see on earth it's just a one facet of what's going on in, in, the, in the universe, that is, in the spirit. And so don't be fooled and think that, oh, you know, who, was, who so-and-so is in power because they, they are popular, they have this technique, that technique. Everything is spiritual. Everyone that is popular or unpopular is because something in the spiritual is happening. So if you ever want to advance in the kingdom of God, you do your spiritual warfare and you win in the spirit, you will win in everything else. So I want to encourage you. So anyways, let's go back. So um, the spirit of God had identified to, to, uh, to Deborah what happening in the spirit. So in verse 19 of Judges chapter 5, she started talking about describing the warfare that was going on. This is like watching the Lord of the Rings, you know. It's pretty incredible. She said, this, she said in verse 19, the kings came, they fought, then, the, then fought the kings of Canaan at Tanakh by the waters of Megiddo, and they got no spoils of silver. And verse 20 is very incredible. So she's talking about the physical warfare now. And then, and then he, she switched all of a sudden to the, to the heavenly in verse 20. For heaven, from heaven the stars, the angelic forces, fought, fought from their courses, they fought against Assyria. So in other words, while the physical battle was going on, the angelic beings... In angel, he referred them to the heaven, from heaven, the stars. He, he, he referred the angelic forces as stars. The stars actually was doing the conquering and fighting. And you say, how did the stars, how did the angelic forces do it? Well, she revealed it in verse 21. The torrent of Kishon. Kishon is actually a river. The river that would swell, the river would, would flood the place, and it would, 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 uh, would, uh, would, uh, would retrieve, and then would flood the place again. So this river is known to have flooded many armies in the history. And so the Bible says Kishon swept them away. In other words, the ancient torrent... So, so that was the ancient torrent, the torrent of Kishon, march on my soul with Mike. So, so he's saying, she's saying this, is that when they were having a battle, all of a sudden, it was not expected that the river would, would, would flood and would, 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 uh, would rise, and the river rise precipitously and, and drown the entire army of this Canaanite general. How did it happen? Well, because of the stars from heaven was engaged to cause natural things to happen. Many people think, oh, that's a natural disaster. That's for the simple-minded uh, simple people. But for those of you who are spiritual, you understand nothing is accidental. Nothing is, is coincidental. Everything is planned in the spirit. and Everything is, is a manifestation of what had happened already in the spirit. And so it is. That's what happened. And so that's how the spiritual warfare and the physical warfare is actually being demonstrated that is going side by side. And one, what, whatever happened in the spirit is actually happening in, this, in the physical realm. Now, let's go on. It's something else that's quite interesting. You remember Deborah was really frustrated with all those tribes that didn't come out? And she identified 
the reason why they didn't come out. In verse 23, she said, Curse Meros, says the angel of the Lord. Curse its inhabitants thoroughly, thoroughly, because they did not come to help to the help of the Lord for the help of the Lord against the mighty. Now, when I read that, I go, what is Meros, M-E-R-O-Z? What is Meros? What is it? You can't find it anywhere in the Bible to make any references to it. I was like, what is this Meros stuff? And then I started to do some investigation. And so I started to uh, do some research. And I found in Talmud, which is the Hebrew scripture, they have identified what this Meros is. This Meros is identified as celestial bodies of angels, a group of angels. So if you know anything about the spiritual warfare, the angelic beings, both uh, the beings that are with God and the ones that are against God, they, have, they are in groups. So there's, there's this group as we identify as Meros, this and, uh, celestial bodies or angelic beings that identify as Meros. This is the group that they could have come and help the other angelic forces to overthrow this mighty forces on earth that belongs to the Canaanite king. But they decided to hold back. They decided to hold back. Now you say, can the angel make decision on their own? You know, when I was growing up, I was told the angels, you know, are like robots. They have no will on their own. That is not true. If that was the case, Lucifer would not have made the decision to rebel against God. Angels do have the will of their own, and they make decisions of different things. And so in this time, the angels, this group of angels decided that they, they're not going to participate. And you know how it was reflected? It was reflected by the people who refused to participate. You know, in a lot of Protestant literature, if you study different literature in the Protestant, Meros actually now has symbolized the spirit of apathy. In fact, during the American Revolution, if you read some of the readings, the loyalists, those are the people that didn't want to fight the British, didn't want to go independent, they want to continue, like many Canadians, you know, at the time, want to continue to be the loyal subject of the British monarch. The loyalists stayed back and didn't engage. In fact, they were fighting for the British army. So, but most people just basically say, I don't want to do anything. I'm just going to stay back. And they were accused of having a, of committing the sin of Meros. In other words, the sin of apathy and disloyalty. So this group of people that actually withheld their help to help the, pe- the rest of the tribes of Israel to overcome the king of Canaan, uh, the Canaanite king, uh, they were known as, they, they, were, they were apathetic. They, they basically held back. They didn't want to get involved. And they were therefore under the oppression of the spirit of apathy. Ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you this. I want to encourage you not to allow the spirit of apathy to overtake you in this season. It's very easy. Because you could have said, oh, you know, I can't do anything about it. I'm just going to stay home, watch Netflix, watch movies, you know, all day long, eat, and just completely indulge myself and just let it go. And I don't care, you know, about church, God, spiritual warfare, none of my business. That's a spirit of meros, the spirit of apathy. And I want to encourage you to fight that with everything that you have in Jesus' name. To speak against that spirit of apathy and say, leave my home. Leave me. Leave my spirit. Because we are called to something greater.
If you've been listening to me all uh, 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 since the whole COVID-19 has started, I've been saying that this is a season to advance. And that you can advance in many things you do. But more importantly, you and I need to advance first in the Spirit. You and I need to win first in the Spirit. That's how you advance. You can do the right thing, have some discipline, so forth. Those are good. Right, I encourage that. I spoke about that. But today I want to focus on the spiritual realm. You and I need to win in the spirit. You want to win your family to the Lord. You want to win society to the Lord. You win in the spirit. How do I do that, Pastor Paul? Well, you ask God. You know, for me is that I will go into the time of intercession. I'll go into the time of praying in the spirit. I will discipline myself to pray in the spirit because I will not allow this COVID-19 to give me an excuse to sit back and do nothing. I'm not judging I'm not condemning you. If you're doing that, I just want to encourage you, may you consider, would you consider to come out of that? And before this whole season is over, that you would rise up. You will resist that spirit of Meros, the spirit of apathy, and come and join us in prayer, in supplication, in doing whatever you do. You know, all I'm speaking here, we have one, two, three, four, camera, three camera people, and then one uh, video director, and, uh, and then also a sound director sitting in the five people here. While we're at home enjoying this incredible live streaming of preaching, there are people here, you know, the camera people that have been here since morning, you know, working and the sound people and the video director working to make sure that you and I can be blessed. These are the people that decided to say, no, I'm going to do something about it. And while we're enjoying the worship just now, the worship people have been up in the morning coming up to practice and then they have to, they have, they have to practice and then they have to do sound check for hours hours before they get the sound and the tune that you, that you and I would enjoy and that would help us to come into the presence of God. They have decided that we're not going to sit at home. We're not going to allow fear to govern us. We're not allow fear to cause us to be apathetic. We're going to rise up in Jesus' name and we're going to get involved. What is it that God has called you to do? It is time for you to rise up to get involved. Friends, I want to encourage you. This is a time of advancement, not for yourself, but for the kingdom of God. And he's calling you. Yes, you. He's speaking to your life now. He's speaking to your heart. Would you rise up in Jesus' name to make a difference in somebody else's life, to bring an impact in somebody else's life? I really want to encourage you to do that. There is a place for you to do that. You may not be a speaker standing here, but you know, even as I'm speaking, the Sunday school or the children ministry, we have all the children ministry volunteers now is working hard to just teach your children how to bake bread and, and, in, and doing the special Mother's Day thing, you know, and, and they're doing everything they can just to, to minister and bless your people. So th- while many of us are enjoying their blessings, there are few that actually have decided to step forward and say, yes, count me in to make a difference in people's lives. I hope today God would speak to you and say, count me in. I want to challenge you today is that if you feel that the Lord is speaking to you, Go and pray and consider what it is that God wants you to do in this season for the advancement of the kingdom of God in the spirit. Is it prayer? Is it giving? Is it getting involved in church? Is it getting involved in the kindness project? What is it that God wants you to do to advance his kingdom? I pray that you would obey the Lord and do what he called you to do because there's greatness deposited in you not so that you can sit back and do nothing. There's greatness deposited in you so that you can fulfill your destiny for the glory of God. 
and the expansion of the influence in the spirit of his kingdom. So yes, believers, may I challenge you in this season, would you rise up? Come on. Like I say, God has deposited greatness in you. He deposits skill sets and talents that in you that he hadn't deposited in anybody else. Rise up, my friends. Rise up to your destiny in this hour, in this season, in Jesus' name. Well, I want to thank you for tuning in today and, and having the patience to stick around for so long. I want to pray for you before we go. And I want to pray a prayer of faith for you that um, the Lord will encourage you, the Lord will cause your faith to rise, and the Lord will give you a clear vision of what you need to do in this hour to make a difference. Would you pray that prayer with me? And then we're going to let you go. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the people that are tuning in to watch. I pray that you would have spoken to us already. I pray that your Holy Spirit will cause uh, your word to, to not return void, but indeed that your word would bring forth fruits and, and fulfill what it's intended to, be, to, to do. And I, I just ask for that in Jesus' name. Lord, I know that you're speaking to quite a lot of, quite a lot of people right now, even as I, I stand here and preach. I know you're speaking to them, and I pray for them to have the courage, the faith, and the hope to rise up, to fulfill the destiny that you placed upon their life, the purpose that you placed upon their life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.